The Fields Auto Group proudly presents Huddle Up, Huddle Up. with Bucky Brooks, J.P. Shatter, John Osher, and NFL Network analyst and former Jaguar Bucky Brooks bring you the latest on your Jacksonville Jaguars. Welcome to the new era. Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks starts right now. It is Wednesday afternoon and welcome in. It's Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks, J.P. Shadrick, NFL Network analyst Bucky Brooks coming up. Busy show ahead, a Thursday night football preview. The Jags and the Cincinnati Bengals at 822 kickoff time from Paul Brown Stadium tomorrow night in week number four. A battle of the last two first overall picks, Joe Burrow and Trevor Lawrence. We'll break all that down coming up. The voice of the Bengals, Dan Horde, coming up in just a few minutes. We'll get his thoughts on the game and a busy football weekend in the city of Cincinnati. The Bengals are at home. The Bearcats are favored on the road at Notre Dame. He's the voice of both teams. We'll get his thoughts on those games, and we'll get some social media questions for NFL Network analyst Bucky Brooks, who joins us now. Good afternoon, and here we are finally almost well, a little over 24 hours away from total leather at Paul Brown Stadium, Buck. Yeah, no, it should be a lot of fun, man. This is a big-time opportunity for the Jacksonville Jaguars, regardless of what the record is. It's a national stage. It's an opportunity for Trevor Lawrence and company to really put on their best, to allow everyone to see what is being built down in Jacksonville. So great opportunity. Typically, these Thursday night games have a lot of energy because all eyes are on them. So this should be a great performance for the Jags. Bucky, we've got some news this afternoon. The Jaguars have put out their injury report and game status for this matchup, and we take a look at it here on Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks. Wednesday, Josh Lambeau did not practice, not injury-related, personal, and he is out for the game, the Jaguars kicker tomorrow night. Roy Robertson-Harris with an ankle issue, limited today, out, will not play. Trey Herndon is a go so is Cam Robinson and Andrew Norwell. Those were the five players listed for the Jaguars. We'll get to the uh, Bengals players on that list a little bit later with Dan Horde coming up. But Lambeau's out. That means, guess what? Matthew Wright will be the kicker for the Jaguars off the practice squad. He's 4-4 four four with Pittsburgh last year in December with field goals along in the NFL of 46 yards, Bucky. Hey, loving you is right. I don't want to be wrong. So it's his opportunity to go and knock this down. This is a situation that is needed to be shored up for a while. And so when you think about the importance of the kicking game, particularly as it relates to field goals and extra points, a lot of inconsistency this year from Lambeau. So now you have a guy that was on your practice squad, Matthew Wright. You're giving him an opportunity, even on a short week, if he is able to just knock down the extra points and the short field goals, it'll go a long way towards helping the Jaguars maybe get their first win. All right, we are leading off a show with kickers. That's the state of things right now for the Jacksonville Jaguars going into Thursday night football, but plenty of huge storylines coming up for this game tomorrow night. Let's go to Cincinnati now and welcome in the voice of the Cincinnati Bengals, Dan Hoare, joining us. First off, good afternoon. We appreciate the time, and it's great to see you again. JP, Bucky, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, we've got a lot going on. I know it's a busy week for Cincinnati football. The Bengals are hot right now, 2-1. and one. They're tied for first place in the AFC North. The Bearcats have a big road game in South Bend on Saturday, and they're favored in that game. And you're going to be calling both games. That's a lot going on. 
It is, and I've never seen a football game at Notre Dame Stadium, so this is a bucket list opportunity for me. I've been there. I've walked around the stadium on a snowy day, uh, but to call a game between two teams that are ranked in the top 10 with Cincinnati favored, as you mentioned, it really should be a special day. Bucky, I think he's going to you know, ask you some uh, some some guys that to look out for in the NFL draft. I'm guessing, Buck. Uh, eventually, we're, we're going to talk about that. But I do want to know more about the Cincinnati Bearcats team, particularly the coach, Luke Fickle. What kind of job has he done there at Cincinnati? Because they are up and going. They are a talented and tough team. Bucky, he's been phenomenal. He could run for mayor and win unanimously in Cincinnati right now. They were 4-8 and eight his first season. They've won at least 10 games every year since. They started this year ranked in the top 10, which had never happened in University of Cincinnati history. And he's got a team that you are going to be studying their players very closely at the end of this year because I think they could have as many as nine NFL draft picks. I think they've got four guys that are going to go in the first few rounds. So when you're a team outside of the so-called Power Five and you have that kind of NFL talent, it's a really strong statement for the job the head coach has done in recruiting and, more importantly, in developing these guys. I think we're turning into Tuscaloosa all of a sudden in Cincinnati, it sounds like. <laughs> Dan Horde is with us, voice of the Cincinnati Bengals and the Bearcats. Let's get to this game tomorrow night at Paul Brown Stadium and start off with the quarterback. And, you know, it's a team that uh, – this offensive line last year caught a lot of heat after that injury, right? Um, how much change did they make there? How are they feeling about it now up front? And it feels like Joe Burrow, just hearing him talk the other day, is, is, is past that. He's stepping out there, making throws, and I, I feel like it, it looks like at least he's moved on. Well, it's a work in progress. I don't think anybody here is trying to make the case that the Bengals have one of the elite offensive lines in the NFL. It is not that. But last week against the Steelers, they ended Pittsburgh's streak of 75 consecutive games with at least one sack. Now, Joe Burrow only threw 18 passes, and T.J. Watt didn't play, so that helped. But the offensive line play has been getting better. They upgraded at right tackle by signing, signing Riley Reef as a free agent. That's a big upgrade from Bobby Hart, who struggled the last couple of years. For left tackle, Jonah Williams was the first offensive lineman taken in the 2019 draft, and he's been getting better and better. He's had injury problems in his first two NFL seasons. And then in this year's draft, after they selected Jamar Chase in round one, they took Clemson's Jackson Carmen in round two. He made his first NFL start last week against the Steelers and played pretty well at right guard. He had an early uh, slip in the game on a twist where they kind of got confused and, and didn't pick up the guys they needed to pick up. But after that, he played pretty well. You know, Dan, I've heard uh, Joe Mixon talk to about these skill guys. He kind of alluded to them being the fabulous five when he talked about himself and Joe Burrow, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Jamar Chase. When you've seen this crew get down the first three games, what's so special about the playmakers that the Bengals have right now? Well, I don't know that you have many teams in the NFL with more weapons than the Bengals have. That's a pretty formidable group, especially at the wide receiver position. I think Tyler Boyd for years has been underrated as one of the top slot wide receivers uh, in the NFL, and he continues to, to be great at working the middle of the field. Higgins had a tremendous rookie season. He would have topped the thousand receiving yards if he didn't get injured on his first catch in the season finale. And Jamar Chase was the first wide receiver taken in this year's draft. He's got a touchdown catch in each of the first three games. He has a total of four 
Three of them have been for more, more than 30 yards, which has never been done in the Super Bowl era by a, a wide receiver in his first three NFL games. So it is a very formidable group. And Joe Mixon, of course, is Joe Mixon. I think he's one of the best all-around running backs in the NFL. So the question remains, is the offensive line good enough to give Joe Burrow time, to give uh, Joe Mixon holes? And at least this year, like I said, the offensive line has been better. Dan Ord is with us, the voice of the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, yeah, Joe Mixon, by the way, second in the league in uh, rushing attempts and carries this year in the running game. Let's flip it to defense now. The last couple of years, the Bengals have committed well over $200 million or so to the defensive side of the ball. And so far, it looks like it's paying off, Dan, with a top 10 ranking through three weeks in total defense, top five in the league in yards per play, passing and rushing, 18 points a game allowed. That's a pretty good start for this group. There's a couple of injury concerns this week with the safety, Jesse Bates, out. T. Higgins, obviously wide receiver. Awuze is doubtful for the game. How concerning is the back-end injury situation right now? Well, the loss of Jesse Bates is huge because he never misses a snap. Uh, in the previous three years, I think he had missed just a handful of snaps in his career. So to go into a game without Jesse Bates is a huge unknown for this Cincinnati defense. He's one of the best safeties in the NFL. Tremendous sideline to sideline speed. It's hard to complete a deep ball when Jesse Bates is back there. So that has created a bit of a concern in Cincinnati. I would imagine that, that Brandon Wilson will be the guy that steps up, but it could be Sean Davis. They just picked him up a couple of weeks ago from the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, so they have guys uh, that I think they feel okay about, but none of those guys is Jesse Bates. And Jesse Bates is a really good player, but there's another good player on that defense that I've been keeping an eye on for a long time. Sam Hubbard in this front line. How has he been able to make an impact for this defense? You know, Sam Hubbard is one of the great run-stopping defensive ends in the NFL. He has always set a good edge. And in his first two years, he was uh, pretty effective as a pass rusher as well. Two, and a, or two years ago, he had eight and a half sacks, which is obviously a good number, a very good number for a defensive end. Last year, though, he played with an elbow injury, and I think it really affected his ability to get after the quarterback, couldn't use his arms. He only had two sacks, and I think people kind of forgot about him as a result, but he's played very well so far this season. Had a sack on Ben Roethlisberger last week. And coupled with the signing of Trey Hendrickson on the other side of the defensive line, guy who tied for second in the NFL last year with 13 and a half sacks, now you've got guys on both edges who are getting the job done, both as run stoppers and as pass rushers so far this year. Dan Horde with us, voice of the Cincinnati Bengals. Final thought with you here, Dan. You know, coming off a big win over the Steelers where the, the Bengals really dominated that game against the Steelers this past Sunday. 2-1 record, Thursday night football. I'm sure the fan base in Cincinnati, the what do they call them, the Houday Nation, I guess, <laughs> they have to be fired up and ready for this game. This is kind of the coming out party for the Bengals after a couple, three years of building and trying to get this thing right. Is that the feeling in Cincinnati tomorrow night? It is, and we can add an element to that because the Bengals, for the first time in their history, are adding a ring of honor to Paul Brown Stadium. So the Bengals have been around for a little more than 50 years. They've never had something in the stadium to honor their all-time greats. So at halftime of the game tomorrow night, they are going to induct their initial ring of honor class, which includes Paul Brown, the, the franchise founder, 
Anthony Munoz, arguably the greatest offensive lineman in NFL history. Ken Anderson, who Mike Brown, the team president, refers to as the most important player in franchise history because he played quarterback for 16 years here and took the Bengals to their first Super Bowl. And then Ken Riley, one of the most underrated players in NFL history, 65 career interceptions, and he's not in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, which is a travesty. So it's going to be a big night as the team celebrates the legacy of those guys. They will also be honoring the 40th anniversary of the 1981 Super Bowl team, the first Bengals team to go to the Super Bowl. So coupled with a good start in Thursday night football and, and the spotlight and, and Burrow versus Lawrence and the return of Urban Meyer and now the Ring of Honor, it's going to be a, a loud and boisterous crowd at Paul Brown Stadium. Well, Dan, uh, we appreciate you taking out some time on a very busy week for you personally and with the college and the, uh, the pro game coming up. Have a great call tomorrow night, and we'll talk to you soon down the line. Sounds good. Thanks for having me on. Dan Hoare joining us, the voice of the Cincinnati Bengals, Buck. Always a good visit there and a busy man. There's a lot going on in Cincinnati these days. And, you know, that that fan base is fired up, as we heard at the end there. Yeah, very fired up. You're right. A lot of a lot of things going on. The Notre Dame game is something in its own that's a nice treat for him. But the Bengals are playing well. And I think the Bengals have surprised a lot of people to go on the road and beat Pittsburgh, to beat them in the manner in which they beat them. I think that was an eye-opener. And so now, national stage, Thursday night game, Everyone tuning in to see the two number one picks at quarterback, Trevor Lawrence and Joe Burrow. A lot of intrigue in this one. And for both teams, you want to make a statement because this is the only time that you get on a national gig. So this is a great opportunity to make a statement about who you are and what your program is about. All right, Buck, plenty ahead. We'll come back in a moment and get into this quarterback matchup. That is the premier matchup. It's the reason why this game is on Thursday Night Football. Joe Burrow against Trevor Lawrence. We'll hear from the Jags quarterback coming up and Urban Meyer on the coaches show yesterday. Well, he has a little more insight to Joe Burrow than most as he recruited him to Ohio State. Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks is brought to you by Fields Cadillac of Jacksonville and Fields Cadillac St. Augustine, members of the Fields Auto Group. This is Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks on the Jaguars Digital Network. Well, there's three grades you give athletes as uh, in, in the NFL draft and recruiting, and it's something I learned over my uh, career. Uh, Coach Belichick and I have talked about that many, many times. The one's the physical attributes, and that's you know speed, size, strength, etc. The next one's mindset. That's all about competitive spirit, toughness, intelligence, leadership, adaptability, and then you got your character, and that's what kind of person you are. And Joe Burrow is a perfect five on everything. I mean, his character is impeccable. His uh, mindset is absolutely impeccable, and his skill set is developed. You know, he was not that way when he came out of high school. He was good. He was a, a good player, under recruited, and uh, came in and just a toughness. His family's incredible. His father was a longtime coach. His mom's great. <clears throat> a very close family and a, just a absolute competitive maniac. He broke his hand his third year and lost the starting spot to uh, Dwayne Haskins and Dwayne Allen went to be a first rounder as well and, and uh, Joe went on to be a, a legendary college player at LSU. That is Jaguars head coach Urban Meyer on the Urban Meyer show yesterday discussing Bengals quarterback Joe Burrow. Welcome back to Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks. J.P. Shadrick with NFL Network analyst Bucky Brooks. Interesting connections there of course. Urban recruiting Burrow to Ohio State, and he kind of had to wait in the wings, worked his way, had a chance to compete, hurt his hand, and 
Then he goes to LSU, and two years later, he wins a Heisman Trophy with one of the great offensive seasons in the history of college football. And uh, so Urban has a little more insight to the to the uh, the mindset and the background of Burrow than he would most opposing quarterbacks, Buck. Yeah, he should have a lot of intel on Joe Burrow. Having known him, having recruited him, he should know the ins and outs of Joe Burrow's game. A lot of times, guys don't change. They may evolve. They may continue to improve. But there's still some core things that they did in high school that they continue to do. So with Urban knowing that, not only his skill set, but his mentality and how he'll think through and process things, particularly if they're critical situations late in games. How does he think? How does he react? How does he react to being hit? How is he if he has a clean pocket? All of those things can factor into the final, well, I guess the buttoned-up game plan that you utilize against him. But, yes, the intel that Urban is able to provide his coaches and his players should be advantageous for him. Bucky, we were talking to Dan Hort a moment ago, voice of the Bengals, and you asked him about the weapons on offense. If you're defending the Bengals, who do you take out first as the option on offense for Burrow, at least in the passing game? Uh, well, I mean, I, look, I think this is, is, is unique because this team is built like the L.A. Rams were built a couple of years ago when Ty Gurley was the epicenter of everything that they did. Got it. In the passing game, I think you have to start with Tyler Boyd. Tyler Boyd is the chain mover. He's the one that makes it go. Yes, Jamar Chase has had a highlight real worthy plays. He's done some great things uh, scoring touchdowns uh, on the perimeter. But Tyler Boyd is the one that they go to when they need to get a first down. So you got to make sure you have a plan to deal with him. And then you got to really figure out a way to can corral and contain the running game. Make them throw when everyone in the stadium knows they have to throw it. That's how you want to play him if you Jacksonville. And you mentioned it right off the top of that answer. I mean, the, the running game is really where they go with Joe Mixon. He's second in the league in rushing attempts and yards and well, if he gets if he gets warm and rolling, then that gives this offense an opportunity to be balanced, and that's when they really are dangerous. But it's it's Joe Mixon. I mean, this the guy's been around for a few years now, uh, can be a big time player. I think he's the running back around the league. You just don't hear a lot about him for some reason, and but he can come out and hurt no. you. Yeah, you don't hear a lot about him. I told you, I've I've written about uh, I've written about him, and it reminds me a lot of Corey Dillon. When Corey Dillon was there for like 10 or 11 years, racking up pro victories, winning Russian titles, but never necessarily guiding his team to high level winning. And so this is a situation where we need to look at him and look at how special he is and appreciate the special qualities that he shows. Because in college, he can line up outside, play wide receiver, catch the ball and run over everybody. I mean, in high school, in college, he now has an opportunity. I mean, in the pros, he has an opportunity to do those same things, but he does it in a very rugged and dynamic way. Last week, 90 yards on the ground, had a catch in the game against Pittsburgh, and 286 on the ground this year with a score and uh, a little bit of an option out in the passing game, but not a huge one, not a huge threat there. But he, when he gets running, uh, it can be trouble. Let's hear from Jaguars quarterback Trevor Lawrence as we flip it around now. It is a short week. It is Trevor Lawrence's first short week in the National Football League. How does he handle it? Oh, gosh, yeah, it's uh, completely different. <laughs> It's like you don't even know what day it is because we just played two days ago and usually today's our off day. So just everything's faster. But just, just getting in as much as you can. Try to do the same things you do in a normal week. You just You can't do them as long as far as preparation, you know. Um, first, second down, third down, red zone, two minute, all that stuff. You just have to be a lot more efficient with your time. You can't take forever breaking all those down. So 
Um, yeah, it's just faster. Uh, you're, you're here a lot longer just because you only have three days to get ready instead of usually it's five or six. That's Trevor Lawrence on Tuesday. First uh, chance to go through a condensed schedule for the quarterback. He's handled everything else with flying colors, at least in the building and the operation and the you know, the, the the weekly schedule and all that. It just condenses a little bit and everything. All of a sudden, tomorrow night, the, the lights are on and they're playing football again four days later. Yeah, it's quick, man. It's fast and furious. And it's different because, uh, JP, uh, I heard you yesterday talking to Lagerman. And Lagerman was saying, hey, man, your body doesn't feel right until about Thursday. Well, Thursday's game night. And so this is one where you're practicing. You're trying to get guys ready to play through walkthroughs through using the sports science and performance to make sure that everybody is feeling their best. You try and get them going and have some semblance of practice so they understand what's going on. And then you have to pare down the call sheet. A lot of what you did last week, you try and carry over to this week and you, you hope that it works out, but it's an adjustment, it's a change, but there's still a level of excitement because this is the one time that you know that all eyes are on you. You get a chance to put on a show and everyone gets a chance to see it. Well, I mean, they've uh, they've thrown the ball around a good bit with him. They haven't been scared to do that. Last week, they mixed in the run a little bit more with James Robinson to help balance things out, and Carlos Hyde got a few touches, and when they ran the ball, it was pretty strong. And then even Trevor getting some, some runs there, something we've talked about in the past on this program and others. You know, how do they mix it up, make it a little more comfortable for Trevor Lawrence, and maybe that was what it needed? I, you know, maybe do you think you'll see some more of Trevor running the football out of the, like the read option again. Yeah, I think this is a situation where when your quarterback is struggling, you go to him and you say, hey, Trev, how about you pick out 12 plays that you really feel great about? And what I'm going to do is I'm going to take these 12 plays and I'm going to figure out a way to rearrange the furniture or whatever. But we're going to run these same 12 concepts. The Jaguars have to get the young quarterback going. And we can lean on the running game. That's the number one way to be able to do it. But if they're not allowing you to run the football, you have to be able to generate some kind of offense through the air with a young quarterback. So is that slow screens, bubble screens, quick passes, and occasional jet to push it down the field and come back and try and do it all over again? It might be that. And so it just might be a situation where it's really, really um, ugly initially before he gets into a rhythm and settles in and becomes the player that we think he will be. This is the, the matchup, I think, early in the season a lot of folks have waited on. The, the last two number one overall pick quarterbacks going head-to-head, -head, Bucky, and, and Burrow coming off the knee injury, healthy it seems like, ready to go with weapons around him. They've got a little something going. The Jaguars with Lawrence just trying to find themselves. But, mm -hmm. hey, it's, the, it's two big quarterbacks, and that, that gets TV viewers, and that's why this game is on Thursday Night Football. Yeah, that is why this game is on Thursday Night Football. This is all about the quarterbacks. Like, no one is paying to see the other guys run around. They come to see the two number one overall picks duke it out in a big-time game. And in a perfect world, what the uh, teams would get a chance to see, two teams up in the 30s, a very exciting brand of football where people come back and tune in next week. So we'll see. We'll see if the Jaguars are able to hold up their end of the deal. Their end is like a bunch of guys running hard, trying to figure it out. And then if they can limit the big plays on defense, this is one they should have a chance, but it comes down to them not committing the DBOs. Don't beat ourselves. Turnovers, penalties, big plays. If they win in those areas, they'll win the game. In the 30s. I like that, Bucky. That would be a very that'd be I mean, that nice would be fun. to see. It'd that'd be, be fun really to watch, fun. right? Absolutely. It'd be even better if you go win the thing and snap the 18-game. How about that? Score. How about that? I'm just saying. 
Uh, let's come back. We've got social media questions when we return, and a little bit later, our final thoughts. Hey, and it's a busy schedule at Daly's Place coming up. October 1st, that is, what, two days from now, AJR. October 2nd, Brothers Osborne. Suicide Boys, October 3rd, NF. October 6th, Zach Brown Band, October 8th. And the entire month of October is slam-packed. Get your tickets at dailiesplace.com. And this is Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks on the Jaguars Digital Network. I mean, you just got to know, man. <laughs> Everybody watching. You know what I mean? That's the fun part. That's the, that's the bad part. You got to get right, you know? <laughs> you know, you got to get right. You play Thursday, you got to get right. You know what I mean? You got you to gotta play our keys, man, do what we need to do. And, and then, like I said, oh, yeah, okay. The right mindset is the team that's going to win this game. You know what I mean? And, you know, you got a ball. It's above the shoulders for Josh Allen this week, and welcome back. It's Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks, J.P. Shadrick alongside the Jags and the Bengals coming up tomorrow night, Thursday night football. And we were talking about this on some earlier shows this week, and I'm curious your thoughts on it, Bucky. On a uh, on a week like this, you can't really add new wrinkles too much offensively, even on the defensive side of the ball. It, it's kind of you, you roll out and you do your – basic things who whoever you think you are on offense that's pretty much what you have to do because there's not a lot of time to to go work on things no there's not a lot of time to work on things but the way that you can work around some of this jp is some of the things that you put in in training camp things that maybe you haven't displayed uh during the first couple games you can go back to that um there's enough time for you to put a wrinkle to something that is a base formation or a base route you can put a couple of sprinkles on the cupcake, but you can't do a whole lot of changes. And when you're a team like the Jaguars who hasn't gotten a win, typically what you want to do is you want to do less, not more. You want to simplify. You want to make sure that your players know exactly what they're doing. You want them to play hard. And what you want to sell the team on is energy, effort, and execution. Those are the things that will get you to win. All right, Bucky, I know you uh, love this part of the program each week. It's time for social media questions. We put out the bat signal earlier today, and here's the best to come up with today. Uh, number one in social questions from at Yoda Climber one Do you see DJ Shark and James Robinson having more touches this week? Interesting. Hey, hey look, man, if, if this is a, a situation where the coordinators can focus on players instead of plays, those guys absolutely should have a ton of touches. We saw what James Robinson was able to do when he got a handful of touches. It impacted the offense. DJ Chark is one of your better players, maybe one of your more explosive players. He needs to get enough touches so he can have an impact on the game. The first three or four games of the season are about figuring out who you have and what you got. Now it's about getting the ball to the best players. Because some of those guys that you thought were going to be great in preseason, they haven't played great during the regular season. Some of the guys that you didn't think would be good have showed up and maybe exceeded expectations. You have to give the ball to the guys that are playing the best and allow those guys to ultimately decide your fate. Well, I'll say this also about DJ Chark, and I know he caught a touchdown last week and also back in week one, but he's been targeted 22 times, Bucky, and has seven receptions for the season. It was 12-3 and three the first game, 12 targets, three receptions, and then four with one catch against Denver, six with three receptions last week. Do you still you got to keep feeding him? That's basically what you're saying too. Even if things aren't going well, they haven't had a lot of time together. Just keep throwing him the ball. He has to have enough opportunities to get touches. That said, 
DJ Chark has to win. If he's not winning and he's not able to consistently get open, then that's on him. What we're seeing, JP, is the difference between what we call good and great and the difference between a number two receiver and a number one receiver. A true number one receiver can get open versus all tactics and all players, meaning you can do a little bit of stuff to create opportunities for them, but they're so good that they get open. What we're trying to determine is where does DJ Chark fall in that equation? Is he a real number one or is he a number two who has been treated like a number one because they didn't have a true number one on the team? Let's get to our next social media question today. Question number two off Twitter from at Duval underscore 43. It seems this offense is missing an ETN type player or players. Do you see any more trades or pick slash waiver claims in the near future? If they want to run their offense, then go ahead and get the players you need when you can. Hashtag don't wait. Hashtag starts now. It's a little late, isn't it, Buck? It is a little late. I like the urgency, though, because I don't want to wait. I want to start now. And I agree with some of the stuff. If you want to run your offense, you do have to go ahead and get the players you need when you can. That said, there's typically not anyone that's available on the waiver wire or via trade that is a current upgrade over what you have. So you have to really be careful with that. I think the main thing that you can do is you can take your base offense, look at the players that you have playing within that offense, and try and figure out a way to elevate them. Are there certain things that I can go to James Robinson and say, of all the things that we've done, what are the things that you like? What are the things that you don't like? Get rid of all the things that are disliked. Give him a slate of plays that are ones that he likes. That is going to be the best way to maximize his production. You, Darrell Belvoir, you have to have that conversation with several of your key players on offense to figure out the best way to reshape this offense so it can be successful. Yeah, and the only way you can really do a lot of that by adding personnel, at least, is in the offseason yeah. draft and free agency is when that comes around. The uh, Jags, by the way, still have the number one waiver claim. Right now, though, starting this past week, it was with the current record the determining factor. So the first three weeks they had it because of last season record. Now it goes week to week moving forward. Now question number three off social media today on Twitter at Marcus Parsley. Tyson Campbell is great at getting in receivers hip pockets, but how coachable is his lack of ball tracking skill? You know, sometimes those things can be coached. They can be taught uh, without digging deeply into Tyson Campbell's background. First thing I would ask if I was in a personnel meeting, uh, has Tyson Campbell ever played baseball? Did he ever play baseball, little league, middle school, high school? Does he have any baseball in his background? Because some of the issues that he has, I wonder if he's ever tried to pick up a ball in, in terms of dealing with depth perception, tracking and anticipating where balls will go. If he is a track athlete only, he's more of a straight line guy. And so it's hard for guys to pick up the ball late, particularly when the ball is already in the air. Um, and so sometimes when you're a man corner, what you'll see on the stat sheet is you'll see more breakups, PBUs, than interceptions. Interceptions come from being able to see the ball and catch the ball at the last minute. Also, depending upon the scheme that you play, is it more man-centric or zone-centric where you have eyes on the quarterback? Tyson Campbell played a lot of man-to-man -man in college, so I'm not surprised by his ball skill issues because he showed those when he was a collegiate. Well, I'll say this, Tyson Campbell was on the track team at American Heritage High School as well. I don't see any listings on the baseball team. I don't know if Coach Sertan would have let him go play four or five different sports. One, the track team seemed like a pretty good match for him. 
It is a pretty good match for him because, look, he's an explosive player. But because he's a track athlete, he might be a little more straight line in his movements. Um, He may not have a natural feel for playing the ball. If he hasn't played basketball when he was a kid, if he hasn't played baseball with his kid, he's never really had to deal with the constant catching of the ball and doing those things. And sometimes those skills can't be necessarily acquired or refined when you're older, when you don't have the base of doing it when you're younger. So we'll see. doesn't mean he can't be a good player. It just means he might have more PBUs than interceptions on the back of his trading card when he gets older. Let's get our final social media question today for Bucky Brooks. This is from at the underscore Jags fan 615. I know C.J. Henderson is a uh, corner, but do you see a chance that Andre Sisco could now get on the field in some coverage packages on the, def- on the defense since C.J. has now gone via trade? I mean, there's always ways that you can cobble and reshuffle the deck when you want to get people on the field. Uh, Andre Sisco is a safety, so he needs to be somewhere in the middle of the field where he can utilize his vision his instincts and awareness. However you want to play those safeties, because it's possible to go with a nickel package where you have three safeties on the field, two high safeties, and what we call a big nickel that is kind of like that hybrid linebacker type. It doesn't always have to be two safeties, three cornerbacks and and those things. So there are configurations that you can craft and come up with like the mad scientist to get them on the field. Just got to be willing to do it. There you have it. Social media questions are in. Thank you for the submissions today. Bucky, we'll come back in a moment and get our final thoughts. Ahead of this Thursday night football matchup, the Cincinnati Bengals entertain the Jacksonville Jaguars at 822 tomorrow night in Paul Brown Stadium in Cincinnati. And this is Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks on the Jaguars Digital Network. Welcome back. Final thoughts with Bucky Brooks. It's Huddle Up. J.P. Shadrick with NFL Network analyst Bucky Brooks. Are you building a bookshelf in there, Bucky? What's going on today? I, I hear a lot of... I mean, I got a, I got a, I got a bunch of things in here. I'm kind of looking at stats and figures and trying to see if there's any nuggets that I can share with you. you know, that's, that's all. Just trying to Trying to do a little research, JP. Trying to make sure I got it all, you know? We can always count on you, Bucky. You, you never stop the grind. The, the grind continues day in, day out. With you. Uh, we appreciate that about you. Hey, Bucky, we have a cleat tweet from the Pro oh. Football Hall of Fame account today. They got a new artifact in from Jamal Agnew, oh. his game-worn yeah. cleats from the 109-yard kick six last week. They're now on display at the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio, and that's pretty darn cool. That is real darn cool, but I bet you if Jamal knew that his cleats were going to end up in the Hall of Fame, he probably would have had a little more pizzazz. Like, that's very, um, as you do it, your alma mater-like. That's very plain. No white laces, though. But that's very plain. I think if he knew he was going to the Hall of Fame, he might have picked something that had a little teal, a little splash of gold, maybe his name, some other stuff, you know? You know what's splashy? A 109-yard kickoff or kick return for a touchdown. That's what's splashy. You don't need the shoes when you're running down the sideline with a football in your hand. I mean, it was splashy, and I actually loved watching it. I love hearing the call. Gus Johnson um, had a conniption uh, calling that, but that was great. Gus Johnson, Akeem Tlaib, Jamal Agnew weaving and bobbing down the field. Look, it was was a great momentum-shifting play. It was one of the things I thought was going to be the signature moment of the Jaguars' first win of the season, but now we have to wait till tomorrow because that first win can happen on Thursday. That's true. And uh, to Jamal's credit, he did reply to the Hall of Fame on Twitter and said he couldn't have done it without 10 other guys, any room for 10 more pairs of shoes. So 
Uh, good on Jamal, team guy there, and we'll see if he can get it done tomorrow night. Yeah, and here we go. The uh, Jags and the Bengals, Jaguars could use a spark like that. They've had it the last couple of weeks, just haven't been able to take advantage of that. And it's the quarterback matchup we've been waiting on, Burrow against Lawrence. The Bengals are surging at 2-1. and one. They have a chance at least uh, to be a half game up in the AFC North race if they get a win tomorrow night. The Jaguars trying to snap this now 18-game losing skid 0-3 for this season. And it's tough to go on the road Thursday night. All that combined, what are your thoughts uh, going into this one, week four? Look, man, I think it's a great opportunity. I think if you look at the game last Sunday, it was a great momentum builder in terms of how the Jaguars played. The effort and energy was great. The execution for the most part of three quarters was outstanding. Now it's about trying to figure out as a young team, how do you go win? Bright lights, big stage, a lot of energy. This is a great opportunity for the Jaguars to get a win. And I fully expect them to play well and to win the game. They're long overdue. I think this is the time that they put it all together. They're, they get their first win on Thursday night against the Bengals. Oh, yeah, Bucky. I like it. We uh, we like predictions on a show you like, like this. Like yeah. Okay, so I'm going to tell you, I learned this. It's not all me. I learned this from former Jaguar Andre Rosen. He said, look, you might as well guarantee it every week because if you're right, they're going to make you legendary. So I'm going to guarantee it. Jaguars, guarantee the win this Thursday, and then we can play this back and I'll look like a genius. It sounds like Charles Barkley is what it sounds like all of a sudden with the guarantees <laughs> on – NBA on TNT. Uh, Bucky, well done as always, and uh, have a great one. I know you're working tomorrow night, right? You're doing the, the mock game yeah, tomorrow, we do. right? A little mock game, a little mock game on Amazon, but I'm doing a little pregame tailgate, a little something with you, postgame show. Like, we're back on it, right? Like, we, we, we're all that. We're going After late win. night. We're late night Bucky tomorrow night with uh, postgame phone calls. We'll be on the public tailgate show as well in the afternoon. Uh, have a good one. We'll talk to you then, man. All right, guys. Bucky Brooks out of here. Our thanks to Dan Horde, the voice of the Cincinnati Bengals as well. Joe Fortunato on the audio. Trent Padilla. Yes, Trent Padilla today on the video side. For our entire crew, I'm J.P. Shadrick. We will catch you next time. Enjoy the game tomorrow night. The Jags and the Bengals coming up. This is Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks on the Jaguars Digital Network.